Matthew chapter 16. And I don't sort of have a full PowerPoint presentation as such, but I do have just a couple of pictures that I might um, have put up. So maybe if the first one can be put up. You know what that is? Blood moon. And Mars. Who saw it? Some people got up early. Yeah, I didn't. Kathy took that photo. She was so excited about it. Um, some of us were excited the night before but just didn't get up to enjoy it. Um, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty rare thing that those were close to each other. I think it's another 2,000 years before that happens. Mars being at that point in its um, trajectory close enough to be alongside the blood moon. Uh, the next slide shows a more detailed, effective picture of a blood moon. Um, got some howlers over here. Did I hear woo or something? Um, <laughs> like a big marble. You've, Master Chris is on about his marbles today. <laughs> he's trying to prove he's still got them. Um, so I, I want to talk about the blood moon uh, tonight, but um, not uh, in the sense of trying to, in a sense, um, read the future or read signs in the heavens or, you know, read tea leaves or it's not to try and predict anything. Um, but I do want to perhaps see whether there's something we can get from it um, by seeing it. And I, and I, I think there is. Um, well, it was for me. So let's have a look in Matthew 16 here. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? Uh, we were, uh, Kathy and I were with uh, Pastor Chaz and Eunice uh, and and. Trudy the other day and um, I think Eunice made a comment that it was a red sky that evening and it would be fair in the morning and uh, that's what this scripture is talking about that uh, there are certain things about the weather that some people are used to predicting. Um, I was with a, a man the other day who's, who was uh, noticing things that I've never noticed. He said that um, it was a beautiful day as we've had a couple of beautiful blue sky days this week and he said, notice how all the ants come out into the sun. And, and we're just standing there looking. He said, he said, look, they're not over there in the shade. They're here in the sun. And he said, when the ants come out, all the animals come out. They all come out into the sun. I don't know if he's an expert, but I believed him. It uh, looked pretty convincing to me. And we too like to get out in the sun. That's our, our tendency. Um, but there are people who, who read, I guess, the, the signals of nature a bit. And, um, and the Lord here was saying, you do become, for different reasons, farmers have to become a bit expert in reading the signals of nature. Um, but the Lord was saying, do you, do, you do you read the signals of the times that you are in and on the, the grand scale of things where you sit? Now, obviously... That's a totally different subject. 
but he wanted to get them to think about the fact that there was a time of Jesus' first coming and there was a time of his second coming. And this was a time of his first coming that he was talking to them. It was a very important moment. And, um, but they weren't seeing it. They weren't recognising that this was the timing of the Messiah to come for the first time. And we're not living in that time. We're more likely living in the time of his second coming. And the question to us then is maybe we can also read the signs of the weather, but can we read that this is the time of the Messiah about to come back? Does that, does that sit in our minds? Are we convinced by what the Bible says? Uh, does it cross our minds that maybe tomorrow we could have Jesus Christ here? Is that, you know, I mean, you can't sort of plan for that. You can plan to be ready for it. Um, and uh, some people have, you know, predicted dates and sat around uh, in expectation of him coming and, and they said, oh, well, not this time, maybe next, and they, they get it all wrong. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. God has, um, he has actually used uh, the heavens uh, in his favour at very important moments. And I want to just show that here in um, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, the region they came from has a history of, of stargazing and of, of looking into astrology and all the things together with, with the stars and, and their patterns, their movements. And, uh, but they had seen a star that was a very unusual one, a bit like we've just seen with the blood moon. They saw something that, that, that to experts said, this is a one in a million appearance. This will, has not happened before. It will not happen again. Now, I, we don't know what it was. People speculate as to what it was. But they were so certain that something was guiding them to a particular location. And so they followed that in verse 9. Um, it says, When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And so these... Uh, uh, people here, these um, uh, men that had come, finally reached their destination to affirm that here was a great arrival. This was a th this was something where heaven and earth moved to announce this arrival. So very, very particular. God has sort of brought in not necessarily uh, people who believe the Bible, but people who came in from a different angle altogether and they just said, this is an unusual occurrence. What are we coming to? And, and in a sense, I guess you could call them unbelievers that have arrived and, and must have been convinced by what they saw um, because uh, of, of what they have said in their coming. And that, of course, happens to many of us is that when we have seen something very special, it draws us, even if we're unbelievers, we see something very special, it draws us to Jesus Christ. 
Let's go to Matthew and 27. Now we have another very crucial date in the history of the world, and it's the crucifixion of Christ. And in verse um, 45, he's on the cross. And it says, now from the sixth hour, that's 12 o'clock, that's noon, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. So for three hours, we've got an eclipse of the sun, you would think. Uh, in verse 26, uh, sorry, 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. Um, and they straight, and straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. Um, I'll go down a little further. Um, verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. So we've got an earthquake and we've got what appears to be a, a solar eclipse. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying truly this was the son of God. So again we've got heaven and earth being moved at the same time as this event of Jesus dying on the cross. And we've got an unbeliever who's standing there going, this is getting to me. I have I've participated in putting this man on a cross and I've no idea who he is or what he is. But now as I'm watching how he's behaved and I'm seeing an exceptional man and then all these other things go, are, are, are happening, I'm going, uh-oh, <laughs> Am I dealing with something far bigger than I ever imagined right here? So very special circumstances in the history of the world. And, and we know that God wanted people to see that these were very special moments in more ways, more ways than one. Um, let's go to um, Matthew 24, just back a bit. Now, speaking about the signs of the times and whether... We recognise them. This chapter is full of description of our generation and you could write on it 29th of July 2018 and publish it and say this is current. That's what you could do with this chapter. And um, just so much just sings at you, shouts at you. And in verse 11 it says, And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. We have got billions of people, even though Jesus has come, he's risen from the dead, his disciples have gone out into every corner of the earth, miracles are happening, people's lives are being changed, there are still billions of people being deceived by other thoughts, whether that's Buddhist, whether it's Muslim, whether it's Hindu, whether it's atheism, whatever it is, people being deceived. And in verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So 
We see that, don't we? That that now sin is not sin has been um, uh, deregulated, and now you can do what you like, and and so now it abounds, and 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 we've done it. You know, we many of us have have gone and experimented with things that were no longer against the law, or sometimes they were, you know, and you ended up, uh, Phil and Pastor Chris, you know, in, at Her Majesty's pleasure, um, and, and others, uh, and, and, and some of us were never caught. Um, and, and the boundaries have been knocked down to just do as we please. And it says, because of that, because of sin being so free, to Rome, it says the love which people think they're actually getting into with sin, they think that, that they can experiment into all areas of love, but it actually says the opposite. It says love will go. It'll turn off. It won't be there anymore. And the love of God particularly uh, is, is being snuffed out. And in verse 13, but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And we're seeing that, the gospel going out into every corner. And we're, we're even in our own fellowship, we are enjoying watching it, it going through the nations of Africa and watching it go into Asia and through the Pacific and, and, and so on and so on. We're, we're enjoying seeing the work in these last days just, just shooting out into countries where people have not known God, but they're saying, I love what you're telling me, and um, which is a, a great thing to see. So if we turn over then to verse 29, it's talking here about the return of the Lord, and it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. So here's the Lord shaking or touching the heavens again. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Now, we've sometimes talked about the powers of heaven uh, in, in light of an atomic bomb or the powers of, of, of dunamis, this word, uh, the Greek word, um, dynamite, uh, explosive. And, and we know uh, what has happened in recent history. Well, we say recent, 1945, uh, in, in, the, in the whole... Uh, history of of man that 1945 is recent and, and an atomic bomb going off and just the incredible impact that has had upon the th- thinking of people and the fear that that has brought in and as the Bible says distress of nations, the, the nervousness when North Korea start sabre rattling or when Donald Trump does or whoever else decides to join in uh, or Syria or whatever, and these things which cause distress amongst the nations. But I just want to perhaps take a slightly different thought about this power of the heavens being shaken, that it's talking here about the stars shall fall from heaven. And I think that's a bit of a hard concept for us, but it's talking about the return of Jesus. Um, If we can have the slides back on, um, it talks here of the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light. So if we, the first one we had, first slide, was of the moon not giving her light, the blood moon. 
and it's coming. There it is. And the next one. And the next one. So that's the sun being darkened, which we, have, we get to see it every now and then, an eclipse of the sun. And the next one is a meteor shower. Now, I don't know what it's going to look like for the stars of heaven to, to fall. But I just tonight wanted to sort of let our minds wander a bit. That is talking all three that we've just seen there. I don't know how they can all happen at the same time because to have a solar eclipse and a blood moon at the same time is a bit tricky scientifically. Um, but somehow or other, God is going to make it that when Jesus returns, maybe one side in the darkness is going to get the bit with the moon and the side that's got the light is going to get the bit with the sun. And I don't know who's going to see the stars falling, but he is going to turn on some show. And, and, and that the powers of heaven, of everything that is up there, will be shaken by he who has put it together. And, and this is said over and over again in the scriptures. You can read it back in the Old Testament. You can read it in a number of places, in Joel. You can read of it in Isaiah. You can read of it in uh, Haggai. There's Zechariah. You can read of it in the New Testament, in the book of, of Revelation. You can read in, in the book of Peter. You will, you will read over and again of what this is going to be like when Jesus returns. And just as his birth, there was some indication with the star and his death, there was the earthquake and there was the, the eclipse. That when Jesus comes back, it seems from everything we read here that it is, it is not going to be what the Jehovah's Witnesses say that he's quietly crept in in 1914. It is not going to be like that. And and anybody who's got some other view of it, it seems to just go right against this. And if we try to picture, can't really see that much with the lights on, but if you try to picture just what that would be like in one moment, does now we've got to start thinking, am I going to fear that moment or am I going to be excited by that moment? Because it can get either of those feelings going inside of us. And the Lord doesn't want us to fear it. You know, just as we look at a blood moon, he doesn't want, you know, Kathy was looking at it. She said, it's just beautiful, you know. I've got to believe her. She was there. <laughs> it was just beautiful. She kept taking snaps of it. And, and uh, so, and, and even a meteor shower. Uh, or, you know, you, as a kid, you sit out, outside in the, you know, you head outside the tent looking up and you, you might see a shooting star or two. And, and it's beautiful. It's, it, it's something. But if it all comes crashing at once, what's that going to do? How are we going to feel at that particular point in time? And so let's go to Zechariah chapter 14. And we'll start <clears throat> in verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken etc. There's a real destruction here on Jerusalem. Now, it's very hard to be accurate about the future. What's happened in the past, we can easily grab our Bibles and say, I can see what's happened there and I can line it up with this scripture, but the future is harder. And um, it talks in this particular place, in this chapter, 
of uh, what we would call atomic warfare. It happens later of the, in verse 12 and so on, it talks about atomic warfare. Now, we know that's already happened in 1945. We also know that historically that uh, Jerusalem has suffered one dominant empire after another. That Babylon, that dominant empire of the region, came and, and, and in they came. That after them came the Medes and the Persians. After them came the Grecian Empire. After them came the Roman Empire. After them came the Ottoman Empire. One empire after another totally taking control of Jerusalem. And we could be looking forward, and we often wonder, you know, we're we looking forward to, uh, or are we going to, is there, a, is there a third world war ahead? Or has all of this already happened to Jerusalem? That it has been one after another mighty empire has come and dominated it. And then in 1917, there was a battle in the Valley of Megiddo. And this battle that we, we've looked at at times uh, in slides with uh, um, General Allenby, with the British forces coming in there, and um, this Valley of Megiddo is what the word Armageddon is. And it's, there is a way to look at it to say, has that already happened? Or is it all still to come? Is part of it still to come? Have we not quite finished that? Now, we don't know for sure. But as we look at these scriptures, we try to figure out how close are we to the Lord's return. And so here, if we go in verse 3, it says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Now, when Jerusalem was retaken, it was an incredible way it was retaken as though it was a Bible story. There wasn't a shot fired. So it was as though you were reading the pages of the Old Testament as to how the city was, was taken. So it, it, it is a standout story. And, and so then, and we don't, we're not given, you know, sometimes you can read a chapter and it's going over hundreds or thousands of years. And then it goes into verse 4, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Isaiah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all his saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. All of a sudden... We're talking eclipses again. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one, and we'll just read also verse 11, and men, men shall dwell in it in Jerusalem, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Now, at what point Jesus is going to come and bring another earthquake, and, and, and we have 
a day that's sort of half light and and all of a sudden he plants his feet upon the Mount of Olives, but it's going to be a very clear, obvious day. We don't know what day that is, but it will be clear. Callum was saying in his testimony that when he received the Spirit, it was very clear. And he knew there was no doubt about it. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be very clear. It's not clear to us yet, but there are a lot of signs. And the reason I just wanted to, I I guess I got thinking about the blood moon, was I thought, I wonder whether the Lord is just, he has allowed that to happen, you know, in the history of mankind to foreshadow what is going to come. And then when we see an eclipse and when we see the, 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 the meteor shower that he's saying, one of these days I'm coming back. And when we see an unusual occurrence, we're reminded Jesus is on his way. It doesn't say that's, that's the day, you know, just because there's an eclipse. It doesn't say that's the day because the day will be very obvious. But, but is it saying to us, remember the day is coming? There's a day coming soon and the band strikes up for the play. Um, so that's what we have ahead of us. Let's uh, go to Malachi Chapter 4, next book over. So we don't know how far away we are. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make here, is that it could be closer than we think. And, and, and we know that the nations are lining up trying to find a reason to have a battle, and that may well happen. But, but, it, but we don't want to get too clever about what we think we need to predict. Um, So in Malachi chapter 4, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall not leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And when we've been born again, when that shout of the trumpet, I haven't mentioned that one, but when that shout of the trumpet of the archangel starts and, 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 it, and it travels better than any uh, surround sound or whatever they call it these days in somebody's car, his trumpet will actually be louder than what they've got in their car. Sometimes you think you can't do any louder than that. But it, it, he will make sure that even if they've got earplugs in and they're jogging, that they will still hear. And if they don't hear that, they will feel the rumbling under their feet. So, and if, if they take notice of neither of those for whatever reason, they will see what is happening in the sky as Jesus Christ returns. And, and, but he's saying to us, you who are ready, you who are ready, just endure to the end. You who are ready, rejoice that you have been saved, that you have been spared. And then look around at others and say, I've got to tell them. I've got to tell them. And, and, and even, you know, I just, I had a little experience recently where somebody showed me how I should have done it better. Um, we were, you know, just talking about elements of creation here. Uh, when we were in Darwin recently, uh, Kathy and I were sitting by a lake and there was a lady taking... Uh, snapshots of this beautiful little bird and it was just darting between trees over the lake 
and and we're all sort of enjoying it, taking it in. And I thought, I've got to say something here. And I said to her, God does good work, doesn't he? And uh, she agreed. And I was sort of trying to think what I was going to say next. But in the meantime, she got dragged away by her... Well, she just wandered away with her friend. And I, I sort of missed my chance. And then I heard a sister who was in the Gold Coast recently and she was in a similar position and she was just looking at the ocean with another lady that didn't know the Lord. And she said, you know, the creation's wonderful, isn't it? And the lady sort of turns to her, yeah, it is, you know. And, um, and in, same as mine, just interested to find that somebody believes in God. And straight away this sister said, the reason I love it so much is because I've been filled with the Holy Spirit and I speak in tongues. And away she went and the lady came to a meeting and got baptised and I thought, oh, why didn't I do that? You get, you get some great moments. And, and even this, I think, you know, the, the subject of a blood moon is pointing us to something. And it's, it, it's saying, you know, one day the Lord's coming back. And, and, and it gives us opportunity for discussion with, with people who, who, who like observing the sky who like uh, wondering about life and, and so on. And the Lord's saying, here, grab your chance, say something. Let's finish in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and in verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, or we, we, see, um, we see in a mirror, but it's sort of, it's a little bit uh, foggy. We can't quite see it all. Um, I loved... Barry Cross's comment recently where he said every time he looks in the mirror, some old guy gets in front of him. <laughs> he can't see in the mirror at all, he, he says. But we see through a glass darkly and, and, and we can't quite work out the future. But then, oh, I should have read verse 10, I'll go there in a minute. But then face to face, what's this talking about? Verse 10, but when that which is perfect is come, which is Jesus Christ... When that which is perfect is come. And it says then, back in verse 12, but then face to face, for now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Then I shall see clearly, I'll fully understand Jesus Christ. And a bit like the wise men who came as unbelievers following something that was worth following and they landed and there was Jesus Christ, Something has attracted us. We, we probably won't get a star. We probably won't uh, get uh, a special light shining on us. But we will have somebody in front of us that has changed. And that'll be like the bright star. And it'll draw us to Jesus Christ. He's the one that will give us the answer. And, and so... That really gives us a great joy. We had today, we had four people baptised, three of them in one family, mum, dad and daughter. And dad had received the Holy Spirit two weeks and one day ago. Mum received the Holy Spirit today in the prayer room and a big smile, well, an astonished look, first of all. <laughs> and uh, But then very convinced about what had happened and I reckon their daughter had something happen in the baptism tank. Um, but only she will be able to tell us about that later when, it all, when she has some time by herself without the big crowd around her. Um, but 
she's had something happening to her personally when she's been praying, even before she came here. And, but, but we are drawn because of something we see, and then we see it for ourselves. All the lights come on. But that's only the beginning, because when Jesus comes back, we're going to see it all clearly, everything. And what a great, great day that's going to be. But it says for now in verse 13, that now abideth faith, hope, charity or love, these three. The greatest of these is the love of God. So we haven't got there yet, but these things we hang on to. The faith that has been given to us, it's a gift. We came in with zero or maybe a tiny little bit, but we've had a bucket load of faith has been put in us now when we receive the Holy Ghost. And what has it done? It's given us great hope. Instead of being negative and feeling that the world could get us, we now have hope towards an eternal life. And the love of God has reassured us, absolutely reassured us that we are safe with him and that we will never be taken out of his hand. And that's a great position to be in uh, while we continue to watch the signs of the times. Just watch them happen around us going, I know what that is. I know what that is because my Bible says and it ain't far away.